Hello, everyone. I am Matt Burton. He has the grace of a swan, the wisdom of an owl, and the eye of an eagle. Ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. I want to tell you guys about Anytime Fitness Gyms. Our partnership with 23rd Street Anytime Fitness just started, and we couldn't be more excited. If you're in central Oklahoma City and thinking about getting a head start on New Year's resolution or wanting to work off the beer and food from Saturday, head to Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker next to the Drake Restaurant in Uptown OKC. You get 24-7 access, private parking located behind the building, everything you'd need for your fitness goals. What more could you ask for? Don't worry if you don't live near this particular Anytime Fitness with over 10 locations in Oklahoma City, as well as multiple locations in Tulsa and Dallas, you'd be set. Just come into the 23rd Street location to sign up, and you're free to use any of Anytime Fitness facilities 24-7. Tell them you heard about the deal from Through the Keyhole. Be sure to like and share Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Follow them there for updates on deals and other cool activities. The gym is looking forward to over 40,000 upgrades in equipment and amenities over the next year, so beat the rush and join the best gym in town. Join now for the $1 enrollment program going on now through the end of October. Again, that's 23rd Street Anytime Fitness on Walker and 23rd by the Drake. Tell them through the keyhole sent you. Just wanted to remind you guys to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or comment or review wherever you can. But on Apple Podcasts, five-star review, please, it helps us out. It's also time to give a shout-out to our new patrons. We have Timothy Bailey, Jared Gray, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, A-Rod, Doug Terry, Billy Mansell, and Braden Kay. And this is the first time we're going to do this, and we'll see if it'll be the last time. But Brady and Keegan were nice enough to give me kind of my own opening take, right, before they start talking and all that good stuff. Before you, before you get to who you actually want to hear and Brady and Keegan, they said, hey, Matt, you know, just say something on the top. Say something before we get started. Kind of recap the game or something. Do whatever you want. So this is me doing whatever I want. Guys, I don't know who is happier the fans or the receivers that Caleb Williams is starting now. But in my opinion, this looks like the offense looks like it's supposed to. It looks exactly like a Lincoln Riley offense is supposed to look. And I even said on the radio before, not before the year started, but while, while it was going on, uh, if he gave some truth serum to Lincoln Riley, I think he would tell you that he was ready for Caleb Williams to lead this offense. Now, not this year. Not this year, I didn't think, because Spencer Rattler has all the hype, everything coming in, and there was just no way that he was going to bench him for, you know, a true freshman. But, hey, we're here now, and I think if you put true serum in Lincoln Riley now, he would tell you that he is happy. He is way happier now. I think if you put some true serum in him, he would tell you that he is happier now. And look, this isn't ragging on Spencer Rattler because I was I had Spencer's, Spencer Rattler's back. I wanted him to do well. I wanted him to succeed. He was a starting quarterback at OU. I, I want whoever is going to be the starting quarterback to succeed. It just looks different. It looks a lot different now and looks it looks how it's supposed to. I kept I said that on the postgame pod. But man, I know I don't know. I didn't think that a true freshman could step in and do what he did, especially especially in the Texas game. In that OU Texas game, stepping in in that pressure, whether it's him being a freshman and not knowing any better, which is probably what it is, but he he just he took the moment by the scruff of the neck and ran with it, man. He ran with the moment. It was awesome to see. And 
I couldn't be happier, man. I couldn't be happier for him. It sucks. It sucks the way that Spencer Rattler's into his OU career. If this is truly the end, it's a mixed feeling. It's mixed feelings, right? He gets benched in the Texas game twice. Only one of those times, you know, he didn't have a quarterback that was equally or more talented than he was to come to come in in relief. But now he had a guy that was more talented or at the very, at the very least equally talented. And he took the job and ran with it, man. And it's, it sucks for Spencer Rattler, but I, I hope whatever he chooses to do, whether it's go pro, whether it's transfer somewhere else, I, I, I wish the best for Spencer Rattler. I, I hope everyone else does too. It shouldn't be like, Oh, he was terrible. And this and that yada, yada. No. I mean, he went 15 and two, I think 15 and two as a starter. I mean, that's that's not bad. And and those two losses were in his first three games he ever started and didn't lose since then, thanks to uh, Caleb Williams coming in and saving the day at Red River this year. But I wish him all the success in the world. I do. He is talented. He just, it didn't work out for him being the quarterback at Oklahoma, and that's it. And that's okay. And that is okay that it didn't work out here. It might work out somewhere else, but... Holy shit, am I excited for Caleb Williams for three more years. Holy shit. If it's anything like it was these first two games, man, look out. This guy's the real deal. This guy's the real deal. And how crazy is it that when Kyler Murray was in a hand quotes, severe hand quotes quarterback battle with Austin Kendall, it was very obvious that it wasn't a quarterback battle. And then last year, Tanner Mordecai, and Spencer Rattler were in a very serious quarterback battle. And Spencer did well. And then this year, there was no quarterback battle. No quarterback battle at all. And what do you know? Midway through the year, <laughs> Caleb Williams, true freshman, takes the job and runs with it. Man, I am excited for it. And I hope you guys are too. I know you guys are too. I'm not, I'm not saying I hope you guys are. I know you guys are excited. You guys have seen the same games I have. Guy's unreal. So let's let's get behind Caleb. But let's not be a dick to Spencer in the meantime, okay? Let's not be a dick to Spencer. The guy, he got beat out. He got his job taken from him. It it happens, man. It's going to happen at this level sometimes. But anyways, that's enough for me this week. Got a couple minutes here at the start of the show. I don't know if you guys enjoyed it. If you did, let me know. If not, let me know as well. I can handle some negative comments, some constructive criticism, if you will. But just remember, I say worse shit about myself to myself. So whatever your negative comment is, I've probably already said it to myself. But I do hope you guys enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it as well. So now, here's who you actually want to listen to, Brady and Keegan on Through the Keyhole. y'all but the time from saturday night uh the post game pod which of course you can hear exclusively on our patreon page patreon.com slash through the keyhole it really seemed like this has been the longest in between from saturday's Mm -hmm. game against tcu until now i I, I don't know why i I really can't point my uh, finger on it but it's because it was 2 a.m when we got done oh yeah that's right it was 2 15 2 30 when uh, we finally wrapped it up. And we didn't even talk about the defense that much, which is pretty much what this podcast is going to be about today. And it couldn't have come at a better time, considering the defense was talked about a lot 
at today's press conference because thank God we've moved past the who's going to be the starting quarterback. Oh, but don't shut down the practices. Like we're past that. So now we're here, you know, kind of to left to our own devices to come to terms with what's going on with the defense. And Keegan had a lot of things to say about the defensive performance and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch's comments today at their press conferences about said defensive performance against TCU. So we're going to get into all that. But first, th- this has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, but I mentioned it before we started recording. Uh, Billy DeLucci, is that his name? Billy Liucci. Liucci. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, wh- what are your op- opinions about him? I mean, I it's clear he's a he's an Aggie fanboy, and it's clear which that which is fine. You can run you can run something like I I'm a OU fanboy. Sure, sure, but more more to the point of like fan point like fanboy and it like really messes with his like picture of talking about Texas A and M. Like he can't he's done nothing but mention like I've never I don't see many negative tweets. I guess is my point like I don't see him ever being negative. Like it's full on sunshine pump twenty four seven. Yes, uh, Matt. Any any thoughts, Matt Burton, lovely yeah, no, producer. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not familiar with Mr. Liucci's work. I know that he works for Texags. Is that right? I he know that runs. I think he owns he runs the it. Uh, owns it. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's the extent I know. I don't follow him on Twitter. Uh, the only interaction I've seen with him is whenever Brady. Uh, whenever Brady tweeted that at was him. classic. It was perfect. It was awesome. But yeah, no. No thoughts on Mr. Liuchi. Yeah, uh, I don't know why he just popped up in my head. Like I just I mentioned him, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that he. I asked him, you know, quite nicely. I offered him something in return mm-hmm. for his time um, to jump on our podcast during the offseason. He just never got back to me. So if you're listening to this podcast and you like through the keyhole, I want you to just find Billy Liuchi on the Twitagras. And just, you know, ask, hey, get on through the keyhole. Brady wants to talk to you with all due respect. They're, they are on a high right now. After beating they have, Bama, they rushed for like 300 on Missouri. Who oh, just, I, by the way, landed Luther Burden over Oklahoma and Georgia. I'm shocked. That's kind of weird. I I'm thought so, he was going to Georgia. I thought he got a bag. Oh, no. He got a bag from Missouri, and sometimes it's hard to leave home. Sometimes it is, man. Oh, you like, got a oh, you got a in-state recruit. How about that? I know. Kendall, let's go down the list. Let's bury it now. Kendall Daniels just with the gravestone right behind him. Weird. Not going to Oklahoma. Weird. Uh Daxton Hill put put another one there. Yeah. And then uh Josh Proctor. And outside of now it's it's a finally over Brady. Yeah, so I guess it took 3 years to wash away the sins of Kerry <laughs> Cooks and Mike Stoops, right? I think it could be happening right now. A, we don't give a damn about damn in-state recruits. We're going to go get three stars that are picking between us and UTEP. Mm. And having said that, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll continue to eat crow, even though I was never wrong. <laughs> that never fails. That pisses me off so much whenever someone's like, oh, I'll eat crow, but I wasn't wrong. You know, again, this is, but yeah, there were, there were points to this. Um, about the whole Trey Brown experience. He's, he's proven to be fairly good with Seattle. Trey Norwood also had a quite a little bit of a performance with Pittsburgh. They played each other. But I guess I'll continue to eat crawl with Trey Brown, but I think I routinely would say, like, I'm fairly certain he'll test well and get drafted, and then from then on, it's like, it's on him. 
Yeah. And he got it, drafted by a good organization if you're a defensive back. That uh, needs a corner. But I mean, uh, Lord. Uh, maybe, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've watched Seattle Seahawks games or followed his career with the Seahawks. But if he's played a lot, then I would just assume he's either completely decided I'm never not going to turn my head anymore, I'm never not going to run into a receiver on a jump ball, and I'm never not going to hold blatantly. So if he's washed away those things mm-hmm. in the NFL, then yeah, he's, he could be a good defensive back. The problem was he didn't do that at OU during his time. He just came off the IR, so this was his first couple games Well, back. good job, Trey Brown. Mm-hmm. I like when Sooners prove me wrong. Well, I mean, he's got to, it's got to continue. I, I I don't I don't know with his injury that he had, but yeah, I thought it was like seeing both of them play well, especially Norwood. And Norwood's in a position I didn't think he fit in in the NFL because of his size, Brady, and kind of lack of ability to tackle. At you the say of lack of size. You know, one of two times I went to an OU scrum, you and I were the only two people that were asking Trey Norwood questions in a in a scrum, and we were both taller and bigger than he was. No, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I just remember thinking like. Oh, my gosh. Because I had also talked to Kyler Murray, and I had actually run into Kyler Murray a few times in public before. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Like, yes, he's short, but that dude is a tank. Right. Like, his chest is just, like, punching you in the face if you're standing in front of him. Trey Norwood, I was just like, I can't believe that this is a OU football player. Just from a physical standpoint. But, you know, he's he's proven that that doesn't really matter that much. No, and it doesn't. And he's playing, again, at a position at the NFL level. I don't think a lot of us would have expected. I mean, I didn't. I thought he was going to move back to safety and get as far away from the line of scrimmage as possible, Brady. But no, he's getting his nose dirty. His instincts are showing out. And I think it's proving that kind of the process that he went through where get on a heater at the end of the year, look like you're seeing everything that's happening, go to the Senior Bowl, I believe the Steelers were down there. Like they're like one of the not. They're all thirty teams are always down there, but I think they were one of the teams that you know he distinct like was directly working with or was talking to while he was down there. And then they end up signing him for an undrafted thing. And next thing you know, Brady, he's I mean one of the best players in Sunday Night Football the other night. Kind of crazy. It is crazy. Another NFL news as it concerns Oklahoma. Did you watch Baker v Kyler? I did. I was bartending at Vanessa House at the time, and again, we've talked about this a few times before, and Matt, please feel free to jump in because I want your opinion too. I understand that Baker Mayfield is easier to love than Kyler Murray if you're an OU fan. I mean, there are easy reasons. One, he was there for a a much longer time. He has a much longer track record playing OU football or being the quarterback at OU. Kyler was there for one year. I get all those things. Baker has a very fan personality. Like, he... I mean, when I watch him, it's like if I was good enough to be an OU football player, that's how I would act. <laughs> no doubt, is like that guy. I would talk all the shit. I, I would just, I would do all that stuff. So I get that it's easy to uh, like him more than Kyler Murray or root for him. But I'm bartending in a relatively full bar on Sunday for that game, and people were excited. And once Arizona started jumping out to a big lead and Baker turned the the football over, people were actively not cheering as. Arizona extended their lead. I'm like, oh, yeah, boo, Kyler Murray. (laughs) And I'm not going to out a particular listener, but that particular listener was there, and I did not not appreciate the Kyler slander. Not (laughs) not that there was any, like, F you, Kyler Murray, but come on, guys. Kyler Murray's probably the best QB in program history. Regardless of that, I was going to say, like, 
It is kind of weird. I saw Brayden, a uh, former colleague of mine, guy I hired, Brayden Conover, diehard Browns fan, said today, like, Baker's getting the Spencer Rattler treatment in Cleveland. I saw a tweet that was in response to him basically saying he's going to play this weekend no matter what, No, kind of along those lines. And he goes, and it basically said, an elite quarterback can overcome some of the issues within the team. And I'm like, my God, like that is, it's, it's, he's kind of having one of those years where he's banged up. The offensive line's not nearly as good as what it used to be. And when you run Stefanski's offense, a little bit different from Lincoln's, but I mean, every piece of that has to be really good with the way they run the football and you know the way they work off the play action game. So he's, he's kind of going through the ringer up there. I, I just wish, and, and Matt, get your thoughts on that. I just wish he'd get surgery. Like, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and know that, like, what his time frame would be. I know he understands it's a contract year, but this guy, like, I've had labrum surgery. Like, it's a six- to eight-week recovery if it's a full-torn labrum. It could be a little bit longer on, like, slap tears and other things. But, I mean, I guess, Matt, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I just wish the guy would get surgery. Like, get surgery, get healthy, and then, like, play 100% because – Clearly, it's bothering him, like yeah. whether it's OBJ or whoever. Yeah, and that that was my whole deal too. Is yeah, it's not on his throwing shoulder, but I'm sure it's it's still bothering him. Any movement that he makes, like it wasn't it Sam's, up, like anything. It like, wasn't Sam's throwing shoulder either, or it was. It was his throwing was, shoulder. But uh, El, El, Ellinger, El, Braidford. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm with you. Get get healthy, man. Like we get it. You're tough. You can tough it out. You can play through all this. We get it. Screw both of you. But I asked you about Kyler Murray and no, why people are like actively with, it's rooting weird. against him, against Baker Mayfield, and y'all just said, yeah, we're going to talk about Baker now. <laughs> it's You're weird. answering my question. It is weird. It is weird because... That's all, a good point, Brady. Anytime I, I talk to my mom, my mom is a huge Baker Mayfield fan. Huge. She my loves grandma Baker said so much. He, she loved Baker more than Sam Bradford. And that was, oh, yeah. that's gonna, that takes a lot. It takes a lot, but and I'll be like, and anytime she yeah. talks about the Browns, I'll be like, yeah, no, and Kyler played well too, like they, he was doing awesome, and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, okay, and then she just yeah, does not care. I don't know, I don't know what the deal is, but I'm with you, man. Kyler Murray six and zero, in spite of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury being their head coach, he wasn't there. He wasn't there in Cleveland. They just, they for just their got win. Zach Ertz so randomly. Right. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll take Zach Ertz. Max, <laughs> Max Williams, our tight end, goes out for the season. We'll just we'll replace him with Zach Ertz. We'll go trade for him. But no, I'm I'm happy for Kyler, man. Happy for Kyler. He's probably definitely the leader in the clubhouse right now for, for, for MVP. MVP. So yeah. that would be a I, I so can, good. Him and, yeah, La- him, and better. La- him and Lamar, right? I think. Yeah. Would be it, those one two. Him, him and Lamar and maybe Josh Allen sneaking in there at third, but they lose know, last Ky- night. They, they did. did. They did. Uh, Andy f- failed to get a fourth and one. But <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm happy with Kyler, man. And I just if you're the OU football Twitter account, just get ready. If they go on and he wins the MVP. Just tweet after tweet after tweet, please. It should. And I was going to say, it's kind of along the lines of what Peyton has said and along and had some of the conversations we've had. The guy figured out that he can throw the football to the middle of the field and can do it with confidence. And that's when the guy gets that kind of confidence with his athleticism. Mm, that's what I'm his talking His style about. of play is just so sexy. It is. I just love it. You can't, you can't hit him. He doesn't allow He doesn't allow you to hit him ever. At any point, wherever he is on the field. Oh, he'll go down. He, he, will, he will go because he's smart. Yep. We yelled about that with Spencer Rattler. <laughs> yeah. Hell, we didn't even talk about this on the 
offensive extravaganza postgame pod that was Saturday night. Caleb Williams on one of his runs, not the 41-yard touchdown run, but he ran towards the sideline. He slid and was like, whoa, he did it. He slid. And I thought the one that was really cool was, and and really savvy of him, showed a lot of IQ for his age, when he baited the defender Mm. at the first down line to hit him and try to get a penalty. He baited him. And it was money. Like, that's that's what he wanted to do. And the official kind of looked at him and was like, don't do that again because you're going to get pummeled, and I don't know if I want to throw a flag, but – I thought that was really smart. You see, that's something you see Rodgers do. Like Rodgers will bait a guy when he's going to the sideline and like try to get get to hit him hit, hit him late or targeting or whatever. Yeah, it was really smart, was really a, savvy, really savvy, really savvy. Well, that was your NFL OU update that we rare, never really talk about because hey, the current OU team is actually pretty good and they're fun to talk about. So we spend most of our time doing that. So. Uh, we promised on the post-game pod because it was about an hour and five minutes and about 47 minutes of it was dedicated solely to Caleb Williams, the receivers, the offensive mm-hmm. line, all of that. And we got about 38 minutes into it, and I realized if we talk about the defense, this is going to be a two-hour-long pod. Oh, no we doubt. Were, it was the 38-minute mark around there, and we were not anywhere close to being done talking about the offense. So I promised that we would hold it over for Tuesday. So guess what? Through the keyhole listeners who are not patron subscribers, Patreon, I don't know how to say words, you get a little sneak peek. So here we go. Through the Keyhole is brought to you by Uptown Anytime Fitness. That is Anytime Fitness on 23rd and Walker. The best gym in Oklahoma City, if you ask me. And I know that for a fact because I've been using it for just about two years and I couldn't love it anymore. Perfect size, perfect amount of equipment. And we're even getting $40,000 upgraded equipment over the next few months, so we're excited for that. But it's not too big, it's not too small, it's not intimidating. So for first-time gym users or, you know, if you're out there getting closer and closer to the new year and you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, new fitness goals, yeah, this gym is not intimidating. There's never a, a ton of people inside at any point during the day, so you never have to wait for your equipment. It's just the best place, in my opinion, to be if you're just trying to improve yourself in one way or another. And the new owner, Garrett, is awesome, very personable, very helpful, and wants to help you guys out as much as possible. So for the month of October, they're doing a dollar membership sign-up fee. Again, it's a dollar membership sign-up fee for the month of October. Just let them know that you heard about this deal from Through the Keyhole or just from me. Maybe you'll run into me and you can make fun of me. But again, there are about a 1,000 Anytime Fitnesses across the map. So if you don't necessarily live around Uptown OKC, you can just come up here, sign up with this gym with Garrett, and then you're able to use any of Anytime Fitness's facilities. There are a ton in the metro. There's a few in Edmond. There's a few in Tulsa. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and used an Anytime Fitness in Seagaville, Anytime Fitness in Kaufman. So even if you travel consistently, Anytime Fitness will still be there to help you achieve your fitness goals. And hey, if you are perfectly fine with how you feel, how you look, all those things, that's fine. But just help us out here at Through the Keyhole and go ahead and like Uptown Anytime Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. Give them a follow. We will greatly appreciate that. The defense was not very good. We get that. We're not going to react really much to it other than referencing things from what Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch said today. Uh, Lincoln Riley apparently praised the defensive line, said they had a Good showing or whatever. I can't remember what the exact quote was. No, he was disappointed, right? 
Lincoln was disappointed? I thought Alex was disappointed. I think they both were. I think, okay. yeah, Alex Grinch mentioned something. It was like zero sacks, like never been on a, in a game where we've had zero May- sacks before. There was one quarterback hurry, right, on the Justin Broyles delay blitz. They they had – That was about the only time I remember Duggan getting hit other than the times he ran. Right. I, they had – PFF had him at 14 pressures. Like, I would think it's less than that. It's probably not much more. But yeah, they didn't. Duggan didn't get hit. To your point, yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think he got hit. I think they forced him around in the pocket a little bit. I, I don't know how pressures or quarterback hurries are calculated, right. but to me, a quarterback hurry is when it's it's clear as day that they feel pressure and they speed up the play and throw it. And mm-hmm. it often, I mean, that third quarter against Casey Thompson, that was nothing but quarterback hurries and quarterback hits mm-hmm. and sacks. You know, and your timing gets screwed up, and that's the whole point. Like, yeah, you're not going to be able to sack somebody every single play. Right. But in the meantime, just please force the play to go quicker, ruin their timing and their communication, then you can have some uh, some success. I can't speak English still. But that didn't happen. And just like we've seen against Kansas State, just like we kind of saw against Nebraska, although they were actively just – how, did they rush four a lot? They rushed four, but they did what TCU did to the end of the first half. They played contain yeah. against Adrian Martinez. Yeah, it was a little bit of a different game plan than what they rolled out against KSU mm-hmm. and TCU. But it was a lot like T- or Kansas State where you know the reaction to that game, at least that I had, Keegan, was, yeah, like it's fairly apparent that the linebackers are, at best, okay. I don't want to say average because I don't know what average is when you consider – where this defense has come from. Right. So they're okay. Um, that being said, I thought that they played a pretty good game against TCU because I'm remembering that uh, fourth and short run by Max Duggan and Brian Asmoa showed off that that's why we like him. That's why we get a little bit of hype for him is because he can make a play like that with his speed. Um, so the linebackers are okay, but, you know, after Kansas State, I was just thinking, yeah, the defensive line doesn't get home. They don't sack. They don't uh, hurry up the play then it's apparent that the linebackers in the secondary are just not on the same level or near the same level as the defensive line. And so, to me, it's like Grinch only has one option. Please, please rush the passer. Please create havoc plays because if you leave it up to the linebackers in the secondary, it could be 50-50. It, they're in a, it, it's, a, it's a defense that's kind of two tales of two seasons at this point, like in a, in a sense. Because you have to account for the injuries – Woody Washington not being available since game one. DeLaren Turner Yell got hurt. I actually looked that up today. He got hurt like 36 minutes into the – or like 37-something minutes into the West Virginia game. So he was there for two and a half quarters. But is apparently fine because his mom tweeted that he didn't have a con- – like, thank God he doesn't have a DJ Graham. DJ Graham. Okay, you said D- – okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DTY, yes. D- yeah, DTY got hurt in the third quarter of the West Virginia game with like 8.02 left. Yeah, okay. And so, yeah, you have to account for all those things. And, like, when I say tale of two seasons, it's like you have the Texas game where they're, you know, to a certain extent, like Texas was still trying to do too much, like, play-action game and, like, staying way too long in the pocket. I thought they did a – like, when Casey Thompson was booting out to the right and getting away from the pressure in the defensive line, like, Texas was really good because, the obviously, the corners can't cover right now. So – you know, it's just – I think people have kind of – I said this to you today. Like, people can f- kind of figured Grinch out a little bit, and it's taken him some time to adjust. But the – like, the rushing defense numbers are insane. Like, I've 
I don't know if a team that I've watched Oklahoma that's been this good defend against defensively against the run and and like seventy percent of that is what the defensive line's doing up front. Like yeah. Perion Winfrey, when they can put consistent games together, he he played well again against TCU after he did in Texas. But that's all I was going to say. Yeah, but I mean to be fair, I mean how many teams that OU has played thus far outside of Texas could realistically say like we can run right at this defensive front. And it's not even so much that the OU's opponents have had the horses to do so. I mean, Bijan is he's a Heisman candidate for a reason. No one else really has had the firepower in the backfield to do that. But I've always kind of looked at it more as, like, we don't have to. Right. So, I mean, are the rushing number – because I know that their rush defense is good. Like, I would prefer teams run against us. I would prefer <laughs> that to happen. So I'm not trying to sit here and say that they're overrated with their rush defense. But I'm just curious: are the is their rush defensive are their rush defensive numbers inflated by the fact that teams are just like just West Coast offense this bitch and just hut bam hut bam throw 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 like three five yards over the middle get it to a second and third and short opportunity go for it on fourth down and just keep moving the chains that way. It's like I said, like in non conference play, you saw Tulane like attack Oklahoma in a way that you and I both know is like not good. If a team's gonna RPO Oklahoma that many times, like that's not gonna be good in the quick game. So that's why I'm like after that you get into conference play and these coaches have faced Oklahoma before, they're that's all they do is study conference teams and get ready for conference play and blah blah blah. Like they know your flaws and they know your weaknesses and yeah, I would be getting the ball out as fast as I possibly could against this defensive line too. Um, yeah, I think they had 14, like I was going to say it was a 35%. Like I was looking at the pressure rates today for OU like per game. Like uh, the West Virginia game was one of the worst ones. <laughs> Daggy was getting rid of the ball as he received it most of the time. Take it, take it ball. And, uh, but for the most part, I mean, they're, there is where they were at a year ago is and they were one of the best, you know, units in the in the sport. So it's just it's all kind of weird. I think people have figured Grinch out too, and like at least in conference and like I don't expect that I mean this weekend. I don't know how much we're even gonna preview Kansas on Thursday. <laughs> but yes, I was gonna say the uh up to this point it's been a little bit kind of you know, defensive line's been good, man, but like I think people have figured Grinch out a little bit too and they just have taken some time to adjust. Um, me and me and Chisholm were talking about this on the post game pod on the radio, and we, humble brag. We both we both really don't know. Well, I only have that job because you're you're no longer there. So you were on was, the post game. Yeah. You were on the post game. I know, game I know. But uh, I'm only talking more because because you left. Anyways, uh, so thank you. But no, I was. I went for a pack of smokes, man. I'll right, be right, right back. You'll be right back. Some <laughs> milk and some milk. He said he'd be back. Um. But anyways, me and Chisholm were talking, and I I'm very. I guess, uh, overreaction, you know, based whenever I'm watching a sure. thing, when I see a play, I'm like, Oh, that happened 10 times, but it probably only happened like once or twice. Right. So whenever we were talking about this, we we're talking about them not getting pass rush and we would just notice who was spying Max Duggan and it would be Nick Benito. So to me, like it's, I, you're the perfect guy to ask about this. Cause I'm sure it, once you watch the, once you watch the tape and everything, you can calm me down and be like, actually, it was only like a couple of plays. It wasn't the whole time like you were thinking. But does that play into it, too? You have your best, your, your best pass rusher going back to contain, and can Brian Osamoa not do it, or can no one else do it, or do you want your best guy doing it? So Grinch last year like explained this, 
in a press conference to somebody and was like, this is a play call that we like to use where like Benito's the second wave where like he'll spy him around. And then, you know, if he's not going outside the pocket, he'll rush and you'll see it a couple times, but no, I'm with you. And like, that goes to the larger picture that I've kind of been talking about. It's like, like, I think he's like just throwing a bunch of shit at the wall. I mean, I didn't read like Billy Bowman going to corner didn't never made any sense. I don't well, think to any of us, but I, I kind of think with Benito spying, he's just really fucking good at it. He is. He's much more consistent at it than Deshaun White. I mean, even though Deshaun White, I can think of one good play against Casey Thompson. But like I've been saying, every time we talked about Casey Thompson before the Texas game, like, yeah, he's got athlete. He's athletic like Spencer Rattler. You know, Spencer Rattler is athletic. Mm-hmm. He's not going to outrun you. Mm-hmm. He had Casey had that one opportunity early in the game to like make something happen with his feet. He had nothing but Deshaun green, White and Deshaun White shut it down. And it's like Sam Ellinger jukes him out of his jaw because he did it twice last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to really dogpile on Deshaun White because, oh man, bless his heart. I mean, Andy, I think he's their best linebacker right now, which is kind of sad. Yeah, he's been their most consistent just- linebacker thus far. I mean, you can also say Danny Stutzman just because he's played fewer games, but in his few appearances, he's been pretty damn good yeah that that game on saturday he'll he'll want to watch that tape and yes. get a little bit better and that, that, um, that happens are, that's he's 18 but, years old go, but i mean with go. like with benito i think he's just really good at it and mm-hmm. so he's got great closing speed like he can be five yards behind like in front of the line of scrimmage i guess and just kind of stand there and then all of a sudden explode and he's almost in the backfield like I, we've seen it a handful of times, he doesn't really get home because like you don't really expect to, but he is able to spy and close a lot of ground very quickly. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask you guys is because was I being too overreactionary? And that was my thing. You know, I try to look at it from both sides anytime I have a quote unquote take. <laughs> yeah, no, quote unquote yeah, take. Yeah. Right. So that that was my that was my other side of it. Like he is like your best guy. Like that, it, it would make sense for him to be there, but he's also your best pass rusher and you didn't have any sacks, but, and like I said, you, you'll probably watch it and be like, Hey, it didn't happen as much as you thought. No. And and it didn't like, and it didn't, but at the same time I'm with you. Like I don't understand why Benito's not right. Like he drops, I, he still drops not a, not much, but I even think to that point, it's too much. Cause like right now, like, don't get me wrong. Like Reggie Grimes is, is continuing to progress and he's looked good. Like Ethan Downs, when he works inside, it's incredible. Like, I don't know if there's a team yet that has been able to contain him whenever he's stunting from the outside to the inside. But I, again, like those guys, I just don't think are ready to be like the Isaiah Thomas out on the edge yet, Brady. Like I just, and Matt, I just, those guys, it's clear that, you know, they moved Thomas inside and now they're only getting pressure from Thomas still and Benito. Like, there's got to be kind of a, you know, back and forth there where they need Jalen Redman back badly, and uh, so you I, know, I, I think. Go ahead. I, I'm more frustrated about taking Nick Benito off the field on third and third down. Mm-hmm. I get the rotation stuff, but I mean, he's a gamer. He's a future NFL player. He's one of the best players in this conference. He's gonna be a I'm, first round pick. I'm sure he can suck in, suck it in a little bit more for one more play. You know, like one of the more important downs for a defense. Third down, put your best player out there. Mm-hmm. I think there were two drives where they took him off on third down, and the whole time I was like, why? Caleb Kelly's playing too much. Unless he g- tells a coach, I just rolled my ankle. Can I take a play off? That's the only reason why he needs to be on the sideline for a third down. It's silly. And I don't care if it's a passing, an obvious passing down or an ob- obvious running down. Put your best player on the field, please. That's, that's my one gripe with Grinch thus far is just – 
too much rotation that it counterbalances your strength. Let me let me throw this back to you on that. So I we kind of joke. You jokingly said you know talk about my dislike for Grinch. Yes, I like Alex Grinch. No, I think, you don't. <laughs> I think I think I think he's the right man for the job in terms of the culture that he's been able to put in place in Norman. I just worry, and I you've heard me say this since the Tulane game. I worry that. His weak, the weaknesses within the defense and the areas that teams can attack them, like they're really doing it now. And so there's got to be an adjustment made at some point. I mean, heck, I think there's even a couple times like take the Quinn Johnston play that turned into a big run, like the Billy or the Billy Bowman at corner on the sideline where he ran for a <laughs> touchdown. The 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 short pass where he took off and got to like the four. Oh, and the first quarter. Yeah, yeah I okay. think it was on the first or second drive, maybe. It was their, I think their third drive because they scored on their second drive with that screen play. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been the third one, but like that one, like I mean, they're just attacking them on into the short areas underneath and in the middle of the field, and every team's doing it. And so it's it's been a little bit, you know, not I'm going to sit here and say like suspicious or anything, but you know, there really hasn't been like a true adjustment made. And so with that being said, like my big thing is, I think. Everybody, I think a lot of the conversation right now, Brady, is about Pat Fields and how many snaps he continues to play. And it's probably his worst game of the year. Was yeah, last the Saturday. angle he took on the screen. That was, was like he wasn't even trying. No, and I, I don't say that you know lightly. It was just such a. I was shocked how bad of an angle that was, and he just kind of pulled up. Like I, I assumed that he had like pulled something because I'm like he must be hurt, mm-hmm. and he just jogged back and kept playing. And I was like, what the hell was that? And it's weird because he's just continued to get – it's like one of those situations where he's continued to get better this year, and then it just – against TCU, it just wasn't wasn't the case. And as well as he's been a part of – I mean, I noted it on the film review. I mean, he was part of a pretty big bust on a drive that got like a 10, 12, 13-yard pass. So my big thing is the one, the kind of lack of adjustments, and then two, like – I get Joshua Eden and it sounds like Bryce and Washington are in the doghouse a little bit. Yeah, because Grinch was asked, are they close? And he said, well, they're closer. And I was like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> no. So, like, those guys should be helping you out by now. And I know they came in during a COVID year. I know this. I know that. But if Latrell McCutcheon and Billy Bowman can play, like, these guys should be able to be on the field. And that's I'm not sitting here talking about, you know, replacing Pat Fields. I think we're it's pretty clear that – Key Lawrence is busting a little too much too on some coverages and things, and it's continuing yeah. to happen. Like it happened again on Saturday. So it's just it's it's that, and then as well, like I'll finish with this, Brady. It's week. This is seven games. They had three busts in coverage on Saturday. Like that can't happen. Like against not. I'm not going to sit here and say Baylor's a better offense or Iowa State's a better offense or whoever, but all of that. It's just it's kind of been frustrating. Well, with what OU does defensively, like here I'll ask you. As simply as you can, because, you know, none of us are defensive coordinators. I'm not a defensive guy. But let's just say that put on your defensive coordinator headset. With what OU does defensively now, how would you just black and white, X's and O's adjust? What what would just a simple adjustment, in your opinion, be? I think they just have too much talent to be stunting, like, up front as much as they do. and So you want them to just be more kind of basic like or basic yeah and, and and i'm not gonna see her and like say like you can go be georgia i mean i don't know if you've seen any of the draft guys over the last week but all the big names like uh 
oh god daniel jeremiah was basically like draft all of them it like it's insane but i mean you don't have that kind of talent brady but at the same time like i guess my my head always goes back to that west virginia game and them running the same concept six times just out of different looks and they never they adjusted for it on a couple drives like you got to play zone against that like you got to have guys that can do that and so i i think the the big thing and go to an even bigger picture here would teams play man against Josh Allen? He's not. He's incredible. He just picks it apart because he trusts his guys to win on one on one. You drop back in zone against him more than you do man, and he tends to struggle. And that's for every quarterback because yeah. it's it's tough to pick up. So if you can't trust your guys to play in on an island or in man coverage, whether you're playing cover two man or whatever, like if you can't trust those guys, then like that's a bigger problem. Like why aren't they ready? Like why aren't they getting coached up enough? to where they can do the things you want them to do that are getting, you know, be able to succeed. So what I would want to see, and I think I've been pretty steadfast on this this year, they've got the talent up front. Just let those guys eat as much as they can. The Texas game in the second half, you heard me say this. I mean, every call that he made in that second half worked. <laughs> and I guess I'm going to compare it to this. It's kind of like a guy hitting a three, like Russell Westbrook in the first quarter, because son of a bitch, he's going to take eight more of them, nine more by the end of the game. So part of me is like, I kind of want these calls to work because it helps for the defense, but the more they keep working, like on Saturday, there was two or three times where they, there wasn't an end on a side because, because they stunted him around and stunted him an in. And it like kills the edge. It kills like any opportunity. And then there's times it works, but you said simple and I tried to be as simple as I could, Brady, but I no, mean, no, maybe made that more difficult n- than I needed. No, to. no, no. It makes, if it makes sense to me, that it makes sense to me. But I mean, my, my next question would be, does OU's defensive line not stunting? And just being a little bit more basic, just letting them eat, as you say, does that get them to the quarterback faster? No. Then no. OU's de- defense is going to have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So, to me, like Grinch has no other option to like in order to coach this defense. He's got an obvious strength, and it's a strength that's it's about a category. Like when they're at, playing at their best, they're about a category below elite. Because obviously Georgia's was would be elite. OU's defensive line is not there, but they're in the same ballpark to where if they're playing if they're in a playoff game and they're having the game of their life, you won't be able to tell the difference between each defensive line. The other the thing I would say is I guess if you are kind of just playing, you know, lining them up and having them get after on a one-on-one or get into the defensive line as many one-on-ones as possible, you do have a little bit of gap integrity there and like get it get your hands up into passing lanes because when you're stunting, you're like yeah. moving and doing things and you're trying to cause havoc up front which is great. I mean, more the more disruption you can create, the more negative plays you generate, the more stops you get. But at the same time, like, part of the – I mean, if there's going to be a quick pass game, you got to have guys that can get their hands up in the air, but they can't get their hands up in the air in the passing lanes because they're stunting and moving and doing all sorts of different things. So I think it all kind of plays into it. Yeah, and, like, my thing with Alex Grinch is – I don't mean to bring up Mike. I really don't. Oh, this is far from that. I'm the, just going to get that. I want to put that out there. The defensive performance on Saturday was bad. The defensive performance in the first half against Texas was bad. It didn't. It didn't remind me at all of Mike's no. bad performances. Those were just so comical. Those were just so. It wasn't even that the opponent was just making plays because something that's going to happen. Like Quentin Johnston made plays. It happens. He was taller than OU's defensive backs and snatched the ball out of the air. It happens, unfortunately. 
it doesn't really strike me like that. It like when Alex Grinch's defenses have had bad days and they've had bad days recently, it doesn't strike me as this is a a problem that they cannot overcome because the coaching just isn't there, the leadership isn't isn't there, the talent's not there. OU has one obvious strength, their defensive line. And like we've talked about before, if they don't get home, if they don't create havoc, they don't cause pressure, then everybody gets to see how average the linebackers are, ho-hum they are, and then how average or ho-hum the secondary is, especially when they're banged up like this. Because who was out there when everybody else was hurt? Billy Bowman, a true freshman nickelback, is playing corner. And really, he's a he was recruited as an athlete. He's only played defense. Can for, I say something? I doubt we see him at corner much moving forward. No, I, I, and I wouldn't hope so because I don't want to ruin the kid's confidence. Mm-hmm. So you've got Billy Bowen at corner. You've got Justin Broyles at safety. He's a Mike Stoops, Kerry Cooks holdover. You've got Key Lawrence, who's playing like a Tennessee volunteer. <laughs> um, you've got you know, Josh Eaton, Rice and Washington playing like here and there. And like you've said, they're just not there. They're not ready which is an indictment on them. Who else is out there? I mean, DJ Graham is good, but he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Jaden Davis, who was cooked against Xavier Worthy, who's technically a Cooks, Stoops holdover. I mean, he was, he, recru- is. he was recruited by them. Grinch is just still in that period of time where he's working with stuff that he inherited. And you could sit there and say, well, he's he's had three years to recruit. He should have enough guys like Josh Eaton and Bryson Washington. Justin Harrington needs to get thrown into that conversation, too. He should be a guy that's helping them out. To that, I would say, well, if Alex Grinch was just simply a new defensive coordinator inheriting a defensive program that was just average, yeah, by year three, like you you should be much better than what OU's been showing to be the last few weeks defensively. He did not inherit an average defensive program. He had to do so much more than just get some results on the field. He had to change the culture. He had to do all this stuff. They were 84th in SP Plus defensively in 18. Yeah. They were terrible. And so the guys that he's been able to recruit in year one and year two, how many of those are guys that he would truly want in an ideal situation? And how many of those were just guys that he had to take? They were the best possible option, considering that, oh, you could not just walk into – Gabe, even Gabe Dindy's house, if he was a incoming freshman in 2019, they could not do that, even though he's a Sooner legacy. No, they wouldn't have been able to. where they were. No. So now we're starting to see the fruits of Alex Grinch's labor with this 2022 defensive class if they're able to hold on to all these guys. You're finally starting to see that. So whenever I see Alex Grinch's defenses struggle, and it's the units that we expect to struggle, I just think... That's unfortunately something OU is just the only way they can overcome that is time. And not to say that DTY is a bad football player. Clearly he's good, but he has a ceiling. Patrick Fields has played exceptionally well this year, considering our expectations for him, but he has a ceiling. Jaden Davis, who I've liked over his career, has a ceiling. Justin Broyles is a bad, bad football player. He had a good game against TCU, but he's bad. When he's on the field, every quarterback should hunt him down. And then you're you're depending on DJ Graham. Well, no one's going to throw his way because they've got all these other guys to throw against. You've got a true freshman who Alex Wrench said, and we all agree, he's going to be a good football player here, but just not right now because he's 18 years old. So it's just a problem that, oh, you can only overcome through time. 
unfortunately. So it's just it's one of those things where, fortunately, OU in, in this one season has proven that they can win close defensive games where the offense struggles, and now they can win relatively you know high shootouts. I mean, the Texas game wasn't a shootout in the cl- in the classic sense because the scoring all happened by one team in each half. And TCU looked like it was kind of a scoring barrage, but I never felt like TCU was in danger of, like, threatening to win the game. And OU went on a 21-point run in the third quarter. So the defense is able, like, the All-Centers podcast, Hoover, Callaway, and Chapman, they, they mentioned this too. The defense has been able to make stops when they've had to in order to extend the lead for their offense. So it's not comical like it used to be. It's in a much better place. It still has the capability to look bad because of some inherited players and the utter uphill battle Grinch had um, recruiting wise when he got here. And I'm sorry that was a long lecture, but no, you're no, it was fine. I just wanted to make sure like Kendall Dennis was four star and 300. And that was the first class. He's not playing. I've never seen except for a spring game. This is the first time I've heard that name. <laughs> okay. So Joshua Eaton, they landed over Texas and Bama. Uh, Bama did want him. Justin Harrington, a uh, little bit different story. I think Oklahoma was his best offer. Uh, I would have to check me on that. DJ Graham was a the guy they landed really early in an evaluation, and then they landed oh, as yeah, a receiver Bri- or an athlete. It was as a, an athlete, and then Grinch recruited him to be defense. Okay, and then Bryson Washington, they landed straight up over Texas, and that was Grinch's first win, and he won that in a couple months. So yeah, I mean they've got they've got some guys that they've won. I'm with you though. I mean, it's it's still like it's clear that the depth's not where it needs to be, and at some spots, at some yeah, yeah for sure. And I like I even think again, I just in my kind of just deep down, I just know that I'm not going to sit here and say and I can game plan and coach against somebody or do this or do that. But I mean, they're just I don't know if these guys are being put in the best position to be successful all the time. Like like I was saying with the offense for the first three or four games and. You know, I know I still want to touch on that a little bit here in a sec, but, um, you know, I just I think part of it is Grinch is kind of throwing a bunch of things at the wall, like hoping something sticks. And, you know, I don't think that's the place you want to be at this point in the season. Yeah. And so but at the same time, yeah, this is far from it. I mean, they have one like that. The fact that they are like top five or sixth in the country. And I know I'm getting into weird nerd stat here. And I was all about it today, but like sixth in EPA per rush allowed is bonkers. Basically, anytime a team's running the football in Oklahoma, it's hurting their chance to win. Is basically what that's telling you. It's incredible what they're what that defensive line's been able to do up front. So yeah. it's that's that's the part of it that is far from it. Because if we want to talk about twenty seventeen and eighteen, twenty seventeen if Stephen Parker and Obo Okoronkwo are hurt or out of the game, they were screwed. Like if those two guys didn't play every single game, they'd have been screwed, more than likely. Twenty eighteen, Amani Bledsoe was their best defensive lineman, and that's nothing against Amani Bledsoe. Big tackle last night, Monday Night Football. But I mean, there's this is far from that. And yes, they have tackling issues. Yes, they've had some coverage issues. But it's just the amount of busts. And the guys that aren't ready for like for me, like it's hard to look past that right now as we kind of head into, as you know, you saw me say that today. Like, surprisingly, this is weird, but tight, the Shuck kid's not very good for Texas Tech, and then the Columbia kid is that we saw have some success at times last year. Like that Texas Tech, they need to come out and play well in a couple weeks, and 
that'll be a really good test for them heading into that bye. And then after that bye, I mean, that's the stretch. I mean, you get through Tech, and they'll beat Tech. They'll, you know, I said this on Saturday night, Brian. They could give up 40 against Tech, and I think they'll run for 400. Like, they're going to run for a lot of yards yeah. on Texas Tech. So, but, so, I mean, after that, it's just kind of getting through the rest of that schedule and having confidence against three te- two good offenses in Iowa State and Baylor and then Oklahoma State. It's, somehow they keep winning football games. I don't know how, but they're in a – I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Grinch is in trouble or anything. I don't think that's anywhere near the truth. Yeah. But it's well, – I will say that. I mean, is he – I guess I'll throw this to you real quick and let you kind of comment on what I said. But, I mean, we heard Grinch had aspirations of getting a head coaching job after this year. I would imagine that this is not helping right now. Well, I mean, if people do their homework sure. and they really evaluate the situation, and I don't know how much you can do that when you have your own program to worry about. I don't know how Washington much. Washington State can't right now. Yeah, I don't know how much you can get involved with the min- minutia of, well, OU has a ton of players out. Mm-hmm. If OU is throwing up defensive performances like this at relatively full strength in the secondary, I might be putting out some red flags, but I'm not. I don't feel that way at all right now. No. They've got three weeks to get healthy and get right and get some confidence back that they may have lost heading into a very difficult stretch run that, as the season has progressed, has become more and more difficult. So um, I'm, I'm not concerned. The only thing I'm just concerned about is – I mean, maybe some early warning signs of poor development in the secondary, but I don't know how much of that you can say just because of two players. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you miss on guys all the time. No doubt. It, it's a part of recruiting, unfortunately. It's a part of college football. The whole point, though, is, is you get as many high four stars and five stars that you can get so that when those guys bust, it doesn't matter because you just replace them with another four or five star guy who may not practice as well, but they're better gamers. Yeah, and – Kind of along that same point, I mean, they do land Gentry Williams in this upcoming class. They've still got some young pups. Like, we haven't seen Damon Harmon much this year. You want to talk about a guy that needs to put on some weight. Um, <laughs> he's like He showed up at like a buck 67 at six foot. So, he's going to need to get into the uh, Benny Wiley body reformation program. Um, you know, but they've got some guys, you know, committed that I think are got a chance to be pretty good. I think the Tulsa kids are with Robert Spears Jennings and Jaden Rowe. Like, those are two guys that definitely fit what Grinch wants. You know, having Gentry Williams, whoever this Azaria Thomas kid is, that just randomly popped up From over the last week. From Niceville? Florida, yeah. I was wish. it where, – where was Stryker from? I've been trying to think. Is, wasn't it sort of with an S? I can say no, something. No, Armwood, Steffner, or something like that. I think that's where he's I have, from. I cannot remember whatsoever. Um, Comment below. Where was Eric Stryker from? Okay, I won't give it away. <laughs> Um, so, but regardless of that, like they've got guys coming in, the defensive line's not going to go away anytime soon with how they're recruiting there. And, you know, for the most part, man, I mean, I think they're going to be fine. I, I, I am not concerned because when you, when you do look at the style of play of the teams that they're going to have to face at the end of the season, which at this point, Brady, it's kind of looking at, you know, whoever they play in those final three games, there's a good chance they'll play one of those teams at the end. But, you know, regardless of that, you know, I think that there are some, you know, things that, to note, but I'm not going to sit here and be, like, super concerned. Now, if Texas Tech shows up and they get the opening drive, Brady, and they run, like, six RPOs for 75 yards down the field, and they continue to do that for most of the game, like, that's where it becomes a concern. Yeah, but until then, I'm I'm relatively 
calm about it. Like, I don't think this defense is going to be the reason why they can't win a national championship. I can tell you that. I don't, I don't feel that yet. Like, I haven't hit that point. They have a – it's weird because there, there was no point in the later years of the Mike Stoops era that I felt like the defense could have, like, a great game and win. It was always the offense just score as many points as possible, and defense, all I ask is just maybe two punts a half. Force mm-hmm. two punts, please. That's all. We'll outscore them. It's that simple. This defense, though, like I have, I have faith that they can create turnovers. I have faith that they can capitalize off of opponents' mistakes when they put the ball on the ground or they throw it to you. I have faith that this team, this defense, can get to the quarterback, sack the quarterback, all the havoc plays. And I mean, the linebackers in the secondary are still capable of making plays. And even if they're just as routine as. Pat Fields, like, coming up in a run lane and getting a stop at the line of scrimmage. Like, I like that. Mm-hmm. This defense is still capable of winning the team game, helping the team win games. So that's well, that's another reason why I just don't have that many red flags. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you want to be, like, glass half full about it, then, yeah, Alex Grinch, I don't know if he's going to get a head coaching job. But, that would, yeah. But, again, like, if – That was my only thing. If you – Pay attention. It's like your opinion of Alex Grinch should not be any different than it was before the season started. He's still a very good coach. Right. Still shown to be a pr- pretty damn good recruiter as well. Mm-hmm. No yeah. doubt. I just a l- little bit stubborn, but that's every coach. I mean, it took – I mean, I, did, I haven't sent this to you guys yet, and I kind of have it. I mean, you go look at the – you want to talk about coaches being stubborn. This is what I want to talk with you guys about the offense. If you go look at 18, 19, and 21 – when Kennedy Brooks's snap counts start to go up, whenever he, I guess, has to establish that he's the guy, I mean, OU's offensive output just jumps. I mean, it took Kennedy Brooks until the Texas game or the Kansas State game for him to be the lead back and receive a bunch of snaps. He's a he's amazing. I know we talked about this on Saturday. He's amazing. But to the larger point, the coaches can be stubborn. It happens and. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have the answers for Alex Grinch. Like, I know you saw Eddie's r- r- tirade the last 24 hours, but like some, like I, I don't have the answers. I don't, I don't know what coverages they need to run. I don't know the adjustments they need to make. I just know it's, it's very cool. I know I'm the slant flat thing that you just got to run zone against it. But you know, I just don't. Brady, I, it's just one of those things where they got to go through it. They got to figure it out and. You know, some of the long things it's like overcome, and I think that's for everybody on that defense. And once Delaren Turner Yell returns, like I feel pretty good that they'll kind of clean some things up because, like, take the seventy-five touchdown from Xavier Worthy, start OU Texas. A healthy Delaren Turner Yell cleans that up, and that game could look a lot different. <laughs> if, I think it might actually look more beneficial for Texas if that happens. Sure, yeah, less possessions, less possessions. Not that much of a quick trigger to pull Spencer Rattler. Pro- probably, that's what I was going to say. That probably don't. Yeah, I mean, I remember saying in the in the post game or in the Tuesday pod after the Texas game, like I think the fans stayed because they were so shocked that it was twenty eight to seven that quickly. It was like, what? Like they'll come back, right? <laughs> <laughs> so weird things happen in sports. Weird things happen in sports. Um, I wanted to end the pod today by not necessarily glossing over OU's next two games. But more of just a kind of where we are right now in the Big 12. Uh, but before we get there, that's basically what the point was of the question of the week on the Monday post, which you can find at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. I believe it'll be free tomorrow for everybody to, to read. I'll 
just go in and make it free. So if you still want to read it, you can go check it out tomorrow. If you have not uh, followed along on the Patreon page, all good, no worries. Uh, but Matt, take it away on our Patreon patron answers from the question of the week. What is going on, everyone? It is Matt Burton here. It's time to do some of your questions of the week, or rather, some of your answers to the question of the week. Brady's question was, seven games into the season, we have a better idea of the hierarchy of the conference. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Iowa State. Which of these three conference contenders worries you the most and why? All right, Matt, come on down. No, it is not me, but Matt, come on down. Who is your contender? You said, I hope it's Oklahoma State with a wink face, but realistically, it's probably Baylor. The team always gets up for the big game, i.e. Iowa State, OSU, but seems to stumble against good teams like Baylor. Next up, it's Ryan Sturdy. Ryan Sturdy, who is your contender? You say it's Iowa State. I think the Baylor game is going to be brutal physically, and that could bleed into issues against Iowa State. Plus, they are coming together. Not really worried at all about Okie State. I only get worried about them when they are having a down year and they sneak up on us. Next up, Dolly, come on down. We make every opposing quarterback turn into Tom Brady this year, but even I can't buy that with Spencer Sanders. Our offense will still score on OSU, and Gundy will remain conservative with his wussy punts. Baylor ekes out ISU due to being on the road and a better defense, even though ISU has a more frightening offense. All right, Seth Black, come on down. Who is your contender? You say definitely not little brother. So down to good offense and defensive team, ISU, or average offense and great defensive team, Baylor. I would pick ISU because of their balanced approach and playing them after Baylor, and we get the bye week right before the Baylor game. And finally, Davis Dunkelberger, come on down. Your contender is Baylor. Dave Aranda, parentheses Amanda, is a great DC slash head coach and has time to prepare for Caleb. It's going to be the first major test for Caleb against a prepared and talented defensive group. The Baylor offense can score too, so the injuries could be a factor as well. ISU is at home and they'll have our attention. And OSU's strength is running the ball while our run defense is pretty good. Most of you guys went with Baylor and I would tend to agree, but we'll see how that plays out. But anyways, back to you guys in the past. Dynamite as always. Thank you all so very much. And I mean, a lot of sentiment that I basically agree with. I mean, when you're talking about OU stretch run, Baylor, Iowa State, and old Oklahoma State, um, I, I guess I was kind of wrong about this this entire time, Keegan, because when the schedule was released, I bitched about the bye week coming 10 weeks into the season. And perhaps it couldn't have come at a better time for OU considering they're, you know, they're 7-0. and Probably going to be Kansas, and they should handle Texas Tech, who is surprisingly five and two. Right? Surprisingly, yeah, but they're not a good team. <laughs> um, they let Texas score seventy points on them, and Texas also TCU also put up. They ran for three hundred on yeah. them. They had their starting running back though, right? TCU, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've got a good offensive line, but still, that's a shocking number, considering. But the bye week probably couldn't have come at a better time. Like we've said, and as you all know, they essentially have three weeks to get right and get healthy on the defensive side of the ball. And then you get Baylor on the road, and then Iowa State, and then Oklahoma State. People, at least on the Patreon page, are a little bit more concerned with either Iowa State or Baylor. Mm -hmm. I always circled Baylor as the potential inexplicable loss because I just didn't simply see Baylor being this good. I knew their defense was going to be good. I assumed that they would. I didn't see them as a team basically being 
about a play or two away from being undefeated if they beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater. They were a play or two away in that game from really making it at least nut-crunching time for OSU. And if it's nut-crunching time and you're Mike Gundy and you have Spencer Sanders as your quarterback, that is a great place to be if you're the opponent. Not a lot of people are afraid of Oklahoma State just because of Spencer Sanders. Everybody respects the defense. I mean, they won them the game against Texas. It wasn't Spencer Sanders, that's for damn sure. Um, and he will give you the ball two or three times a game or at least try to. Iowa State, they seem to be in a good place considering how they started the year. Uh, but they're essentially, I mean, they're the same team OU beat last year. And there's a part of me that feels like that this team, you know, that mojo that OU had against West Virginia – early in their Big 12 days. I can definitely see if OU beats Kansas and Tech, gets in the bye week, and goes down to Waco and beats Baylor, this team will not be intimidated by Iowa State. They'll no. have their full attention, but they won't be intimidated. And I, I just see that as a they have that program figured out. I think it, even like to my feeling, Matt, I want to get your opinion on this. If they lose to Baylor, say Oklahoma goes down to Waco and loses that game, I mean, I – they probably lose two in a row, right? I mean, I would imagine that if they can't move the ball on Baylor and they struggle, which I don't anticipate, and, you know, where Baylor's offense has a very big day, I mean, Iowa State's just a better version of them besides one special teams play because Iowa yeah. State doesn't have a special teams coach. But Neither do we. Neither does Oklahoma. It's a good point. And OU special teams is pretty damn good. That's not the return game because they don't do it. Just don't fumble. Just don't fumble. But yeah, Matt, what what do you think about the I, if? So I I'm with you. I think if they beat Baylor because of Oklahoma, Iowa State has Oklahoma's attention, kind of like the Kansas State game this year. Like I think they rip both of them off pretty fairly comfortably. Like if they do that in Waco, but if they lose to Baylor, I don't think they will. But they lose, they'll. I mean. They're probably losing two times in a row, right? Also, if they lose if they lose to Baylor, that is probably what the latest loss that they've had in these like whenever they lose the random one game, right? They, yeah, it usually happens early. They haven't they're lost in November okay. since fourteen. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And it, it the last time OU you have got to think. the last sure. time OU got this far undefeated, it was twenty nineteen, and I think they got up to eight no. And before right. that the K State game. Yeah, yeah. I think the latest they had been undefeated was 2000. It might be 2004, which was the last time this team went undefeated regular season in conference play. Right. So my my thing is, it's been the recipe for however many years now. You lose early, and then you <laughs> prove you know you win out, and you prove that oh, like Ohio State's on that track right now. They lose early, and then you know win out, and oh, boom, you're right back in the playoff picture. That like that loss didn't even matter. Right. So losing late, though, that could that can be a killer. And not only that, if you, when you lose that late and then you, you know, you wake up on Sunday or Monday or whenever the AP poll comes out and you're down to 12th a- after being two or three or whatever that can mentally, I think that could that could mess with some guys a little bit. So I'm with you. I think that they could lose two in a row just based off of. Well, there goes college football playoff. We had all this hype, and you know that that kind of just went out the window right there because we lost. Do, late do in they the season. have? Do they have to win out to make it with the way Cincinnati's playing? Because right now it would be Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, 
and then whoever's kind of fourth. I mean, Bama and Georgia got to play, but again, I mean, Bama's got to beat Georgia to make it. But yeah, just if, based on when they lost, if if we're going like, let's assume, let's assume Georgia and Bama are going to be in. Let, let's just assume that. Ohio. Uh, let's assume Cincinnati wins out. They go undefeated. Whatever. If OU loses one of these late, do they get in over Ohio State? No. Yeah, I don't because think because their think losses so. to Oregon. Late. Yeah. And and it, I think when you lose when you lose matters too. I, I don't know why, but I just think when you lose like if you prove that oh you've gotten better over the season, like I'm not entirely sure Ohio State wins out either still. Like No, I don't either. They've beaten two bad teams in a row, but you're and I I'm kinda asking you a question now too. Does it surprise you how much like what the standings kind of look like? I mean, I guess Texas is still technically in the Hunt. race to make the Big Twelve championship game, but yeah, I mean, once you, basically, if you lose three, that's basically it for the most part right. in, a, in a year. And, um, I mean, OSU hasn't played TCU. That'll be a tough game for them. They haven't. They they go. I think they go to West Virginia on the road. Um, do, do they? Do they go to Ames? Yeah, they. Yeah, they're in Ames this weekend. Yeah, that'll be. You know, there will be some separation after this week while OU is enjoying the Kansas week. Yeah, I think Iowa State's a, a seven-point favorite right now. By the way. They're four and two. They've they've got two losses. Oklahoma State six and zero, um, and then Oklahoma State goes Kansas at West Virginia, then TCU at home. Then they're going to go on the road to Lubbock, and then Oklahoma. The most OSU thing would be is if they win these next four and then go on the road to Lubbock and lose. Yeah. <laughs> I just please just get through these next two games, please. Oh, they're get, they're get, going to get through these next two. I think just fine. win them both, and then. Sight set on the Big Twelve title and the playoff. Keegan, do you think OU has to has to go undefeated to get in the playoff this year? I mean, when you just kind of look around, like if we're con- I'm I'm not confident that Alabama can beat Georgia by any means, right? But I, if it works out that way, where Bama beats Georgia in the SC championship game, both of those teams will make it, and then Cincinnati out there undefeated, like that makes things weird. I mean, there's a pretty pivotal game this weekend for this. Oregon, one loss Oregon goes on the road to UCLA this weekend. So they need to win that. If they don't, they're knocked out. Pac-12 is completely knocked out of a playoff. Then, so you have Ohio State. Penn State has one loss. Michigan, I think, is undefeated yeah. right now. And then, I mean, so really outside of that, man, I mean, yeah, I think if Oklahoma loses a game with the way they've kind of played, unless, unless they – you know, they are a logo school. I'm not going to sit here. I don't think those rankings are biased because of that, Brady. But, I mean, if Cincinnati's undefeated, I don't know where they're at in most most of these, like, model rankings or whatever. I have SP Plus pulled up. I guess I can look. But they're 10th. Cincinnati's 10th in that right behind Oklahoma. So, I mean, the, all that stuff will be pretty lined up. I mean, I would say, yeah, I think they have to. But I don't think it's a certainty. Like I said, there's a lot of football left to be played. I mean, Ohio State still oh, yeah. has to play Penn State. They still got to play Michigan. And then Georgia doesn't play anybody for the rest, right. of, the rest of the year. Right. Uh, Bama does, though. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say Auburn's going to be a tough game. But Bama's lost their last three at Jordan-Hare. So they've got to bury that ghost this week, this year and get away from that. But I would I would say, yeah, like long, long-winded answer there. So – it's kind of when you look at the landscape right now, they'd have to, I think. Like, I just don't, I don't know, like how the word rankings will work with Cincinnati. Like, 
that's going to be so interesting when those first rankings come out, which don't mean jack shit for the rest of the year. But I will be intrigued where they see where they put them at. If they don't put them in like the top six, that would be a there will be hell to be raised on the Twitter sphere. How but, funny would yeah. it be if Tulane beats Cincinnati? They're the ones that do it. That'd be awesome. I'm picking against our my Green Wave brethren this weekend. They play us, you know. Anyways, oh, no. Tanner Mordecai. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Through the Keyhole. We got it down to an hour this time. Well, it's, there's going to be an intro and there's going to be other things, but we tried. We tried our best. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Through the Keyhole. We will be back on Thursday at Vanessa House for the X's and O's preview of Kansas, which will probably turn into just college football at large, OU at large, Big 12 at large discussions because OU's better than Kansas. Kansas isn't good. And then we move on with our lives. But for Keegan Renault, Matt Burden, this is Brady Trantham. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>